Hello and welcome to Pure Worship Radio. This is Scott Cunningham and I'll be your host as we highlight and interview various worship leaders and artists who love Jesus and are writing songs that both edify the church and glorify Christ. Our mission is to capture the story behind the songs and the heart behind the music. So thanks for joining us today. We pray that you're greatly encouraged by our time of letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And today we're really thankful to have with us worship leader, songwriter, and lead pastor Pastor Charlo Broderson. I know you're going to be greatly blessed and encouraged by his music and heart for the Lord. So let's start off today's program with a few of the songs from his latest hymn project. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood Lose all their guilty stains Lose all their guilty stains Lose all their guilty stains And sinners plunge beneath that flood Lose all their guilty stains Shall be till I die. And it shall be till I die. And it shall be till I die. 
music from Charlo Broderson here on Pure Worship Radio, and today we have the privilege of having him on the program in studio to get to know him a bit better and his heart for the Lord and ministry. And Charlo, thanks so much for joining us today. It's so great to have you on the program. Scott, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, I've just been so thankful to know you for so many years now, and it's so fun to have you on the program today. And um, I'm excited just to recount all of the, a little bit of the history that you have so far of what God's done in your life up to this point. So let's start off with just your testimony and how you came to know the Lord personally and where that all began for you. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up here in Southern California. I was born in Santa Ana, Santa Ana Tustin Community Hospital, also known as Western Medical. And uh, you don't need to know that information. What was your uh, doctor's name? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, but I know everything else about the hospital. Um, yeah, and uh, was born here in Orange County, but moved to San Diego when I was two weeks old or month old, something like that. And at that time, my dad had taken over um, a position as a senior pastor at a Calvary Chapel in Vista uh, down in San- North San Diego County. And so I grew up there 13 years. Uh, we were there uh, in Vista and, you know, just grew up a typical um, Christian kid, I guess, in a small little Christian bubble, but I really appreciated it. Had lots of great friends and great memories of being down there. Yeah, just uh, fond memories of being in Vista all those years. Mm. Yeah, I grew up in a Christian home and I didn't have any real major rebellious years. Um, I love my parents, respect both of them greatly and thankful for their uh, godly influence in my life. I think one of the things that really um, caused me to have to face the truths of Christianity is to see a walking testimony. And that was something that really brought me around to personally commit my life to Christ. I, th- I think that uh, growing as a child, uh, I knew the stories of the Bible and the stories of Jesus. And it was just amazing to me at 18 years old to kind of start that journey over again in such a greater depth and to realize that these stories are so much deeper and so much far reaching than I ever realized. Mm-hmm. And they're still the same stories, obviously, that mm-hmm. I learned as a child, but I had no idea how powerful and beautiful and um, just awe-inspiring the person of Christ was. So that was kind of the turning point in my life when I was 18 and just gotten deeper and richer ever since. So oh, That's awesome. And uh, you moved with your family to England for... Uh, was it four years back? Um, I think it was like 1996. Um, talk about that that mission experience. So I guess if I could say anything in my life was really 
hard for me and in, uh, in the sense of pulled at the rebel in me would be that experience. Um, so 13 years in Vista, we grew up kind of down there in the surf culture. It was really into skating, skateboarding, uh, not inline skating, which was cool at the time as well. Um, <laughs> just but, make the distinction. Yeah, I just wanted to make that <laughs> clear. Uh, but yeah, skating and surfing and I was really getting more and more into uh, the surf culture uh, around that age. I've been surfing for about three years at that time. And then, you know, come to find out that we're moving across the world and mm-hmm. the only ocean is the cold uh, North Atlantic. And I was pretty, pretty bummed. And I had a really tight group of friends back in Vista. And I was just really sad to be separated from that. Mm-hmm. And my skateboarding didn't really have much of a future uh, given the weather of the UK. So that was really hard for me. I think just as a 13-year-old, the identity I had built for myself, yeah, um, just kind of being taken away and trying to figure out who I was apart from my friend circle and apart from my hobbies and things like that. And it was around that time that um, I had already been playing music, but kind of got more into it during those times. And I think that that had a, a pretty big influence on my love for music and, you know, kind of catered to being alone in my room uh, <laughs> days uh, with my guitar. So... That's awesome. Now, how did you get started in music ministry? Did you start playing guitar back there when you were in England, or did you start when you came back to the States? So when I was in England, we yeah we moved over in 1996 to start a Calvary Chapel in Westminster, London. And as I said, I, I was there. I didn't really have anything to do, and um, I was just trying to help out as much as I could um, because that was all there was to do, mm-hmm. uh, not because I had a great heart to do ministry or anything like that. But <laughs> I did Sunday school with my mom. I you know, passed out bulletins. I cleaned the church before and after service. I would do sound for the musicians and uh, kind of learned to do all these different things around the church just to kind of help out. And I was playing guitar at the time. We were trying to figure out how to play guitar at the time. And I remember uh, Rob and Joni Dingman, good friends of uh, our families, they were leading worship pretty consistently at church. And they asked me if I would like to play electric guitar with them. You know, I kind of explained to them, like, I really didn't know a whole lot and they offered to practice consistently with me and help me along and um, and just give me an opportunity to to grow in that so I'm really thankful for that opportunity so yeah so I started playing on Sunday nights for church with them and that was my first opportunity and I think that was the first time I ever sang with my guitar in, in front of the church I, I, I think I did it maybe twice or something mm-hmm. in that four-year period and that was frightening at the time. Yeah. That time, too, you know, 13 to 16 years old, a lot of stuff's changing with the vocals. And so, yeah, yes. uh, <laughs> it wasn't too great. Yeah. And when you came back to Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa with your parents and doing that transition with Pastor Chuck, you got really involved in worship generation and you started leading worship and then started a band called Smithfield. Let's talk about that season and how that kind of just led you into a whole new season of ministry. Yeah. So we moved back to California in 2000, January of 2000, and I finished my senior year at Calvary Chapel High School. And I had the opportunity to lead worship for one of our school chapels. And I think that was my first kind of in or opportunity to do anything musically at Calvary. And after I did that with a few friends, there became more and more opportunities to to lead worship, mainly in the high school group. And then uh, Joey Baran, a local pastor here, he uh, was yeah, starting a ministry called Worship Generation at the time and uh, asked if I would be uh, one of the musicians that would contribute worship at the services. And I actually, I'm pretty sure me and my friends, we played the first Worship Generation service. Mm-hmm. And Joey talks about this because we wrote our set list on a Del Taco wrapper, and we, he talked about the not despising the day of small beginnings, which is so apropos for yeah. Joey. So yeah, started there, and it was uh, really grassroots and fun, just the people that were along 
for that time and and kind of through those years at Worship Generation, all the different bands and talent coming through, uh, me and Tim Chaddick and Neil Godding and a friend named Brad Balick and another guy, Dave Escalante, we kind of all got together and made music together and started a band called Smithfield. We had formed our band because we were going on a missions trip and we were just trying to figure out a way that we could speak truth uh, to music. And when I listened back, the truth that we were speaking was, pr- well, that I was speaking, I was the one that wrote the <laughs> lyrics. So the truth that I was speaking was pretty shallow. So it's a pretty interesting yeah. um, kind of survey of where I was at the time. And I can say one thing, it was sincere. Although it was shallow, it was, it was sincere. <laughs> yes. And my wife and I, we still sometimes sing one or two Smithfield songs to make fun of me, which is <laughs> fun to do. That's awesome. So, yeah, but those were yeah. good days and uh, made music with some really good friends and had a really great time touring uh, in the U.S. with Joey and with you. And yeah. a couple of other friends got some opportunities to go over Europe mm-hmm. and um, do some music over there. And it was a really a great growing experience, very stretching. But, again, just I see kind of where I was spiritually at the time and, mm-hmm. and again, just kind of beginning my journey um, of understanding the depth of Christ. I look back now and... And I laugh, but I guess it has to start somewhere. So totally, yeah, yeah those are great memories. And you know, it's it's like you're learning these lessons of of faith. You're stepping out in faith. You're being, you know, used by the Lord. You know, in, at a young age, and it's all preparation for what the Lord is doing in your life today. Yeah. Um, like you said, you have to start somewhere. You got to grow. And would you have ever thought that you'd be pastoring a church? Right now, you're pastoring Refuge Christian Fellowship up in Santa Rosa, and that's just it's so awesome to see how the Lord's using you up there. But let's talk about that transition yeah. from from those days to, to now. Yeah. So to answer your question first, no, I never thought I would be pastoring. Yeah. Just I don't know. It didn't really ever enter my mind that. I was the kind of person to do that. I think, especially as a teenager, I kind of tended to be kind of a cynical, sarcastic person, and I don't think that tends well towards pastoral ministry. Mm. <laughs> and I, I, yeah. I tended to develop those characteristics uh, more strongly than others, unfortunately, during that time. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just never fancied myself being in pastoral ministry, maybe music ministry or something ministry involved, but definitely not pastoring or teaching. Yeah, And so um, when things kind of came to an end with the band Smithfield that I was in. I had an opportunity to to get out of Orange County and kind of start afresh. Um, there was an opportunity in Northern California to go up and to assist my brother-in-law, who was um, taking over a very small fellowship up there in Santa Rosa. And he asked me to, to come along and to be his assistant, which was pretty big for me, you know, kind of felt like a big boy role, you know, kind of in in the background in in one sense, as far as responsibility went, you know, being a musician, you can kind of still be immature and kind of be excused, I think, from a lot of uh, (laughs) the church responsibilities or um, more mature situations because, oh, I'm just a musician. And I think I played that long enough. Mm -hmm. And so... It was kind of a, a, a new step. And, and during my time of uh, doing music here at Costa Mesa, I also did an internship, uh, intern pastorship here. And, and so did some counseling and some uh, time on the on the phone lines and, you know, would uh, pray with people on Sunday mornings and led some Bible studies and stuff like that. So I had some experience and, and I guess some heart to do that. I definitely wanted to be in ministry by that time. Um, and so when the opportunity came to move up to Northern California and to assist my brother-in-law and to lead worship, it's, it seemed that the Lord confirmed that that's what I was supposed to do. Yeah. Um, it, really interesting. I, I'm not one of those people where, you know, I say God speaks to me in an audible voice or anything like that. I'm, I'm very 
I feel like both feet on the ground when it comes to my relationship with the Lord uh, as far as emotionalism or Mm -hmm. um, things like that. And so that was one of the very clear times in my life where the Lord truly directed me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember um, I had gotten a call from my brother-in-law. I was in Utah at the time uh, playing music, and I got a call from him that he was planning on moving to Santa Rosa. That was what he felt like God confirmed to him. And he asked me if I would pray and think about it. And I was like, yeah, well, I'll think about it. I'll pray about it. Sounds interesting. Sounds exciting. And so I got off the phone with him and I remember saying to myself, uh, well, if I move to Northern California, I'm going to have to figure out my car payment because I had just gotten like my first car, you know, first newer. It was like a new used car, new to me. I had payments, you know, I remember thinking, well, if I do this, my, my parents have got to help me out. I don't think I could do this myself. And uh, when I got home, I remember my dad sent me down. He's like, oh, I talked to Michael and I heard what he's praying about. And your mom and I decided that if you move up there, we want to help you with your car payment. It's like, well, that's something that's really weird, you know, because I never mentioned anything to them. Yeah. And then anyway, just through other people finding out and encouraging me in it, there were just all these different indicators. And then finally, I was reading in Acts and where Stephen is recounting the scene where Abraham is called by God out to this foreign land. I read it, you know, God said to Abraham, get out from your father's house, you know, from this land to a place that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation, you know, I will bless you. And and not that I thought I was Abraham or that, you know, God was going to make of me a great nation or anything like that, indicating how many children I was going to have. But um, <laughs> it just was very clear to me that this was, this was God speaking to me. I lived at home. I worked you know, with my dad in the same, you know, city that I lived in. And there just seemed to be all these connections to me and very clear that the Lord was actually calling me to go. So um, in 2000, May of 2005, I moved up to Santa Rosa, California. And yeah, so I've been there nine years now. And yeah, and so the first two and a half years I was there, I was the assistant pastor. And then after that time, my brother-in-law transitioned out. He moved back down to Southern California and I became the lead pastor at, at that church there, and, and I've been doing that now for seven years. And again, just totally unexpected in the journey, uh, not something yeah. I wanted necessarily or thought was happening, but yeah, that's what happened, and that's where I am. Oh, that's great. And you're married, you have two boys and one on the way. Um, how many years have you been married now? Been married seven years now. Wow. Seven years in yeah. June. And you have a little girl on the way. Little girl on the way, yep. Wow, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. You've written a lot of songs through the years. You've done a lot of music through the years. And just recently, you've recorded a hymn CD, a hymn project. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. Yeah, I think the the early stuff that I recorded back when um, I was with Smithfield just never really felt like I was able to really express myself musically. And like I said earlier, just felt like I was very at, at a weird place theologically, just kind of figuring things out. And so that's kind of always been, I don't know, kind of like the ugly twin, you know, that I want to hide and don't want people to know about. And um, it's kind of a joke at my church that I was once in a band called Smithfield and people will look it up on iTunes and things like that. And we have a laugh or two. But I've continued to play music throughout the years and and especially to lead worship. I still write uh, for myself and I've written a few songs about my wife and different experiences and things like that. But it was kind of more private. Um, but I've, I've continued to lead worship. I've written a few songs along the way, but I don't know, about n- about nine years ago, I guess, when I moved up to Santa Rosa, I really began to develop a love for, for the hymns and for hymnology. And again, kind of like I was saying about my relationship with the Lord, I think when I started it, I just thought, wow, this is really cool. And I didn't realize, um, again, kind of the depth, the power uh, that I was approaching, I guess, as I, as I got into it, you know, and, and through the years, I've just grown to just love hymns more and more and more, almost to, um, 
a fault in the sense of exclusion of other songs. I, I'm more pessimistic when it comes to new stuff now, um, and I have to um, kind of remind myself, um, you know, that there is, you know, that the Lord is still speaking and, and moving and working and and um, giving people experiences, you know, like. Um, you know, a song like "It Is Well with My Soul," experiences like that that, that need to be shared and and passed on. Yeah. And um, but anyway, yeah, I just love the hymns so much. And so, um, for years and years and years, people have been telling me you've got to do a, a record where you you just play the hymns. And and just living up in Northern California, there just aren't the resources that um, and connections that I have down here in Southern California. And so it was always kind of one of these things like, yeah, I'd love to, but who knows? You know, it's not really my priority right now. And but that voice kept, you know, through different people, just kept speaking. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. And then finally, I had a, I have a friend um, who's originally from Texas, and he was living in Santa Rosa at the time. My friend, his name's Dave Austin, and and he just would not get off my back, you know. And, and he'd be things like, he'd say <laughs> things like, "Promise me that you're going to do this. Promise me that you're going to sit down. Promise me that you will map out like what songs you would do if you." you know, record a record. I'm like, okay, fine. And then next time we'd meet, it'd be like, you know, well, write out the musicians that you would want to play on this record. And so he, he was really the one that pushed me to finally yeah. actually, you know, put my feet forward and, and go for it. And so it's actually been uh, almost a year and a half since we recorded it. We did it in a week um, and we did 11 songs and we're only actually going to put out, I think, six of the, the 11 songs so we're calling it uh, the warp and the woof, and this is a, um, a phrase I came across a few years ago and just really grabbed hold of me. And warp and the woof is a sewing term, which is kind of weird that a bunch <laughs> of guys um, are using a sewing term for a record or to identify music or anything like that. But the idea with the warp and the woof is that you have uh, the warp, which is a constant. It's your uh, vertical uh, threads in a, in a loom. And then you have your woof, which is the horizontal threads that are going within and without the warp. And, and so the idea behind it, um, and many theologians have used this to express um, the, the constant and the, uh, the ever-changing, you know. And so kind of like God in that sense that he he never changes he is always the same and yet creation and time it's always changing and 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 um, you know things are being renewed and um, things are passing away and and so I just love that idea about the the constant and the and the transient I love that idea there and then it was really interesting I said to myself one day well if I ever do a, another music thing I'd love to call it the warp and the woof I just think it's a cool name and like the idea behind it and then yeah. as we started doing this project I decided that it would be called the Warp and the Wolf because what we did with this project is we took we took truth, these old truths that had been written down for us uh, by saints of old, and we did them in a way that was new in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of I don't know, kind of traditional kind of uh, country folk record, but mm-hmm. we did it in a, in a new and a different way. And so yeah. that was kind of the idea there. Like we're taking truth and we're doing it in a different way or in a yeah. new way. And so that, again, that idea, like the constant and then the changing and, and the idea yeah. that we can take the hymns and we can modernize them and contextualize so, them a yeah, little absolutely. bit. Yeah, absolutely. Contextualize them. And that could be that we, sometimes we have to change the melodies. You know, I'm waiting for somebody to actually redo A Mighty Fortress is Our God because yeah. I love that hymn, but I hate singing it, you know, because <laughs> you got to do that real low part. And it's just, yeah. it, it's just impossible, I think, as far as congregational singing goes. Yeah. And that's just my personal opinion. But I love the idea of, you know, maybe just 
doing the music in more of an upbeat way, maybe a different time signature, you keep the same melody, or sometimes just we need a new melody. We need a new, a totally new overhaul and, yeah. and new feel for this song. And so that's kind of the idea behind the record, doing, yeah. expressing these hymns in, in a way that um, musically kind of speaks to us and moves us. I love that. Yeah, I was always wondering what your Instagram handle meant because it used the same warp and the wolf yeah. for your for your Instagram. And now, now I know. Yeah, I just and now wanted... people can follow you with that that handle. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I just I kind of wanted to be cloaked in mystery. I like that idea. <laughs> So. Let's talk about a few of those hymns that are, are dear to your heart, that you love, that we're going to highlight on the show today. Yeah. A hymn that I, I love to talk about is the hymn Abide With Me. Back in the years when I was um, first kind of getting my feet as a pastor and as a as a preacher, uh, I used to listen to uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones quite a bit and, and read his commentaries. And he would always quote um, from the hymns in, in his preaching. And I love that, that he would relate... Um, the word preached to the songs that they sang, and it was kind of like this package deal. But I remember he would always quote this line, and I won't do the accent because I cannot do the Welsh accent, but he would say, change and decay and all around I see, O thou who change not, abide with me. And I'd be like, wow, that is powerful. Like, And it just kind of stuck with me. And a few years ago, somebody gave me uh, sheet music for the song Abide With Me, and I was like, oh, yeah, thanks. You know, I'll check it out. And and I remember reading through the lyrics, and I was like, oh, this is it. This is that song. This is what Lloyd-Jones was always quoting. He was quoting Abide With Me. And that song, to me, is just this this beautiful um, proclamation of, you know, whether um, I am prospering, whether I am in, you know, the valley of despair, um, basically in life and death, mm. like God is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. And there's this, there's this line in that song that I sing it and it is just so powerful. I, I love songs that declare the victory of Christ and yeah. speak in a sense just defiantly of death and sin. Mm. And so there is this line in it where it says, um, where is thy sting death where grave thy victory? I triumph still if you abide with me. And I, just, I love declaring, you know, those kind of things in, in singing. And I've, I've been uh, studying uh, hymnology and, and liturgy and, and uh, worship for quite a while. And just recently I was, I was reading a guy, Mike Cosper, and he was talking about that part of what we're doing in worship is that we are truly speaking to one another. And he was talking about, he applies that passage in Colossians where we're speaking the truth to one another in mm-hmm. love. And, and I had re- never really seen or heard that before in, uh, you know, theology of music, but this idea that when the congregation comes together, we aren't here just to sing to the Lord, but we are here to sing to one another, remind mm-hmm. one another. And so I guess those kind of ideas there, I love not only singing to the Lord of who he is to me, but singing to a brother or sister about what he has done for my soul and yeah. what he can do for them. And, and so that's one of the reasons why that song um, is just so precious to me, you know. I love that. It's kind of one of the themes of our radio program is let the word of Christ dwell in you richly yeah. through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord, or teaching and admonishing right. through what songs, hymns, spiritual songs. And there's a lot of teaching that happens through um, a lot of the hymns because they're so rich with theology and, and the truth of the word of yeah. God. And like you said, speaking to one another, right. uh, almost singing to one another those yeah, truths. Absolutely. It's powerful. Let's take a listen to um, Abide With Me. Abide with me, past false seas. 
been listening to Charlo Broderson here on Pure Worship Radio and so thankful to have him in the studio with us today. We've been talking about his latest hymn project and um, one of the songs that he's recently recorded. He's going to be singing a couple live here in studio today. So uh, Charlo, why don't you talk about one of the other hymns that you recorded? One of the hymns that we recorded and it was kind of a must for the record was uh, Come Ye Sinners. And one of the reasons why we recorded this song is... um, I really strongly believe that that worship, as we um, come together as a congregation to worship God, that there has to be this invitation, and there has to be, um, in a sense, it, it needs to be so easy for us, to, I think, to engage with the Lord. And I found I found myself many times um, going to um, a worship service and starting off. Uh, singing words that that just were not true, 
to, at least for me. And, and it's not that they weren't true for the person that wrote them, but they they were more experiential yeah. and just kind of where I was at. You know, I was coming in maybe under condemnation from the week, something stupid I did or stupid I said, something sinful I was dealing with. And, mm-hmm. you know, to, to say things at that point for me, like, in all I do, I honor you. I just honestly couldn't say stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's just kind of feeling like you got to warm up to um, the Lord or to the experience. And so over the years of just studying music and, and worship and, and, and God's Word, uh, really developed this, um, this desire to make it as easy as possible for people to come into the you know, the presence of the Lord or to not to come into the presence of the Lord because he's with us wherever we go, you know, right. and as we gather, he's with us. But the idea that like, I guess that idea that we are already, you know, in the presence of the Lord and he is accessible to us at all times. And so Come Ye Sinners is one of those songs um, that just does that. And we, at our yeah. church, we, we start many a service with that song because it's just that invitation. Um, you know, we're all sinners poor, needy, sick, and sore, and Jesus, he is here to to save, to heal, to rescue, to yes. minister to our need, you know, and, and I love just reminding myself of that. I re- love, again, reminding the congregation of that, you know, that that's, that's what we're here to do. We're here mm. to take care of one another. We're not here to condemn one another. We're not here to tell people to do better, to try harder. We're here mm-hmm. to tell people to fly to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, He will embrace you in His arms. Yeah. Uh, and there is power in the blood of Jesus, in the Amen. name of Jesus. And, and so that was one of the reasons why we wanted to do uh, this hymn. And then also we, we just kind of developed over the years like a cool kind of Americana way to do it. Yeah. And, and again, like I was saying beforehand, with the record, that was something that we got really passionate about is doing music in a way that we uh, like to play music. I, I found myself for years um, playing, uh, you know, it was like I had my own music that I listened to in my car and then I had, you know, worship music and there were two different categories to me and kind of compartmentalized the two. And, um, and I, and I would find myself justifying a song because of the, you know, the rich lyrical content that ministered to me but I'd have to like get over the hurdle of the music, you know, yeah. uh, and be like, I know, like, I know the, the melody's terrible, or I know that like, this is so cheesy, but like, just listen, you know? And, yeah. and, um, and so, so part of the record too, is that we, me and my friends, we wanted to make music that we enjoyed playing. Yeah. We enjoyed singing and writing. And, uh, and so that's kind of part of the product too. And so again, the Americana feel yeah. of this song, you know, you can play it upbeat and kind of, has like a cool Americana surf rock thing, or you can do it super kind of slow and kind of chankity jank. And yeah, um, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a fun, super fun song to play and, and a great song just to sing out to, to others and to the Lord. So hey man, why don't you play it for us right now? Here we go. Come ye sinners, poor and Sick and sore, Jesus ready stands to save you. Full of pity, love and power. I will arise. I'll go to Jesus. He 
Come and welcome God's free bounty Glorify True belief And true repentance And every grace That brings you night I will arise And We've been listening to Charlo Broderson here on Pure Worship Radio, and he's been sharing uh, a few of the songs from his latest project, his latest hymn project, live here in the studio. And he's going to be singing another song live for us in a minute. And let's talk about that song, Charlo, before we before we play it. Yeah, Man of Sorrows, uh, I think, is the original title, and then also referred to as Hallelujah, What a Savior. And 
this song came to me, I think it was last Easter, I kept coming across um, this phrase in the, in the different commentaries I was reading, um, Hallelujah, what a Savior. And I was like, oh, this must be a hymn or something that they're referring to. And, you know, that, that's kind of like the way I come across all this stuff. It's kind of through my reading, yeah. uh, you know, kind of reading old dead guys. Yeah. And they're all quoting these, these great hymns, you know, and it's like, well, where did that come from? You know, whether it's, you know, Isaac Watts or they're quoting um, Count Zinzendorf or, yeah. you know, just, uh, or Martin Luther or, or whoever it might be. There's just some great, great hymns out there. And they're just packed full of theology. And sometimes, again, like you don't even know you're reading a hymn. You think you're reading a poem or something. Yeah. Just a rich theological poem. So all that to say, I was studying and I kept coming across this. And finally, I looked it up online and came up, Man of Sorrows. And as I was studying for our Easter series, I was just like, man, this is like, what a powerful song. And, and we, we did the, uh, a series through Philippians chapter 2 about Jesus and about who he, who he is, you know, that he is God um, who has come in human flesh um, to meet uh, human need and and he takes upon the identity of not just of of man but of sinners he's a man of sorrows he's yeah. acquainted with grief and and I just that was just ministering so much to me as I was reading um, these passages and studying for the series I just kept thinking like man of sorrows what a name what an identity that mm. you know God would come as the man of sorrows we, we talked about that uh, you know when you, when you're going down the street and you, maybe you're going out for the night and on a date or something like that and you see a homeless person and, and you try not to make eye contact with them you know because mm-hmm. you don't want to be inconvenienced or whatever or maybe you know you've been on skid row and you've you know looked away from somebody because the scene there was too like intense for you and i thought oh my gosh jesus christ that's what he's saying to us there he became that sort of man the man from whom we hide our faces Mm -hmm. the man that we are ashamed to look at because Mm -hmm. he makes us uncomfortable his suffering makes us uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and i was just blown away by the 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 identity that christ put on uh to to come and to meet my need you Mm -hmm. know a man of sorrows what a name for the son of god who came ruined sinners to reclaim hallelujah what a savior and so mm-hmm. every every stanza of this hymn you know kind of describes his ministry and then you know bursts forth in, in praise adoration of who he is and what he's done yeah. and so this again this hymn to me was just beautiful just great expression for easter and and for the work of christ uh, and his victory and so i was like i gotta i gotta play the song mm-hmm. and couldn't find a rendition of it that i liked all of them to me just were not playable singable i don't know so it's just like, well, whatever. Just started playing my guitar and figured it out. And this kind of stuff doesn't come super easily to me. I'm not yeah. um, prolific songwriter like yourself, might I say. And so it, it kind of comes pretty hard with me. And it was one of those ones that just came so fast. It just the melody just kind of f- fell out. And I mean, it's super simple. It's not like it's complex or anything, but um, just kind of fell out. And then I got to the very, very end stanza. It says, when he comes, our glorious king, to his kingdom us to bring, then anew we'll, the song will sing, hallelujah, what a savior. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's great. But I felt like there needs to be more there. Like, what about the, what about the party? What about like the celebration, you know, like yeah. that the whole world is going to erupt with joy because God is going to fill the creation again with his presence. You know, the, mm-hmm. the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. God will be all in all. And as I thought about that and what we were studying in Easter and the victory of Christ, 
I was thinking about that that passage in the Old Testament about how you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace, and the mountains yeah. and the hills will break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. And I was thinking about like, man, that's the idea there. Like all of creation is waiting, longing for this moment when, you know, our glorious king appears. And when he does, it will erupt in praise and adoration. Hallelujah. What a savior. You know, that's what the, I think the creation will be expressing there. Hallelujah. What a redeemer. um, What a rescuer. And so I wrote this uh, kind of bridge or chorus. I don't really know what it is, but. Yeah, we will sing and dance, and the trees will clap their hands at the coming of the Lord with a promise in his hands. Yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of what, what kind of came out and, and what I was feeling at that moment, just that eruption of praise. And I can't dance to save my life, but <laughs> in glory, my resurrected body on a, on a new earth, a renewed earth, I will dance. I know moves. it. <laughs> yeah, I will have the moves. And, uh, and so... Yeah, and I've often wanted to express myself in dance, but <laughs> it's not a pretty sight. And so I guess maybe a little bit of my own stamp on that. Like, I will dance. We'll just save it at for that moment. Exactly. <laughs> Best two. That's I awesome. Think. <laughs> All so, right. Why don't you play it for us? Yeah. <laughs> Sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruin sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior! Hallelujah, what a Shame and scoffing brood In my place condemned he stood Sealed my pardon with his blood Hallelujah, what a Savior Hallelujah, what a Violent, helpless, we spotless lamb of God was he. For redemption can it be? Hallelujah, what a savior! Hallelujah, what a savior! up was he to die it is finished was his cry now in heaven exalted high hallelujah what a savior hallelujah 
Nothing you knew this song will see Hallelujah You've been listening to Charlo Brodison here on Pure Worship Radio, and so grateful to have you in studio with us today, Charlo. And um, before we let you go, um, any word of encouragement for those that feel called to some kind of music ministry? For somebody that feels called to music ministry, I think that you have to realize is that it is ministry, that it is a service to others. In, in some sense, you have to be connected with the congregation. You are part of it. They are part of you in the sense of the body of Christ and that there has to be this idea of, of serving and of we are there to to bless and encourage and to build up to strengthen, you know, just like we were talking about earlier, to speak the truth in love and so that we are catering our our services to that idea. We're not there to play music. We're not there to even sing songs or um, just have a good tight service or anything like that, but we are there to serve one another and to build one another up, you know, and, and that, that's the calling of the church, you know, when we gather to build one another up and to glorify Christ. And and so I think anything that trains you to that, you know, I think first of all, obviously, like just to be saturated in the Word of God, saturated in the Psalms, especially mm-hmm. if you're a musician and uh, a worship pastor, just to be saturated in and so, again, I think what this will mean for us in a practical sense is that sensitivity to the congregation. I, I remember a while ago listening to a pastor, and he was saying to worship leaders, remember, in your congregation, there are people that are dying of cancer. There are people who have lost children. There are people that just found out that they lost their job. There are people going through so much heartache and pain because of sin. We're in, we're in a sinful, fallen world. And so we must carry with us the sorrowful yet always rejoicing, mm. this relatability, this understanding, and yet pointing to the greater hope that's in Christ mm. and the greater hope that's to come. And I think that if we do that, we will have powerful mm. um, congregational gatherings, powerful worship services, because we will not be serving our own end, but we will be serving the end of others, you know, bearing the burdens of one another and so fulfilling the law of Christ. And so I think anything that that caters to that, anything that reminds us, anything that that takes us back to the ministering uh, to to the souls of of God's people, you know, or anything that puts uh, love for Christ in the hearts of God's people, you know, Christian living books, um, theological books, um, obviously, like I said before, the Bible, I can't say or stress that enough. Um, even for myself uh, in the past, I've just picked up a hymnal and kind of read that along with my morning uh, devotion routine. 
Yeah. And, and just so encouraged by some of the stuff there. In a nutshell, that would be, uh, or not a nutshell because I'm long-winded, but that if I were to say one thing, that would be it. Yeah. Know? I love that, what you just said, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, coming together and as a church, the body of Christ. Yeah. Um, such a great... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and I think it's so necessary. And and then the context of, of joy can be true and real mm-hmm. rather than hilarity or superficial. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think sometimes when we're not thinking about that, s- certain songs that aren't meant to be can come across that way as superficial trite. Right. When, no, there's there's true depth if we understand yeah. that the, the joy is deeply rooted in the work of the cross and the work of redemption that cannot be undone, that cannot be reversed, you know? Yes, so, I love that. Yeah. Char, thanks so much for coming on the program today. It's so great to have you and, and hear your heart for the Lord and really hear the, the story behind the songs and the latest project. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Scott. Thank you so much for joining us today on Pure Worship Radio. We hope that you're encouraged by our time spent together. May God continue to bless and keep you as you live your life of worship, responding to the grace of God. 